Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. This is Gabriel Carrillo from the EdTech Bytes Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you are listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to episode 73 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com. And I'm Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. Inside today's episode, we have some super fun ideas to share with you. We are going to talk about app smashing with G Suite, and we're going to talk about other applications that are not made by Google that work awesome with Google tools and how you can use them in your classroom. And of course, we've always got a few Google news and updates to share with you, some super fun ideas and tips from the tribe in our mailbag, and of course, a couple of blog posts to rock your day. So Matt, you ready to do this? I am ready to rock. Let's rock. We're going to kick off our news and updates with a little change to Gmail. Now, Gmail is going to make one small change that I'm kind of excited about. So I wonder how many people in the tribe are big strike through fans. So the strike through is the thing you can do to text where you put a little line through it. And um, it's nice if you've got lists where you want to see what you've accomplished, but you want to still leave it on the list. And sometimes people use it as kind of like a literary device of sorts where they say the word that they're really thinking and then they cross it out and they put the more like politically correct thing. Um, strike throughs are great. And um, they're going to be adding strike through to the um, they're going to add a shortcut to the toolbar in Gmail. So if you use Gmail, you know how you can very quickly and easily bold and italics and underline and everything. Now strike through is coming to that. So the little things sometimes uh, make us happy. So in addition to the strike through, you're also going to get an undo and a redo button right there in the compose uh, window. And then in addition to all of that, Gmail is also adding the ability to download um, your your email content as a .eml file. So if you ever need to, um, you know, download those messages and move them someplace, now you'll be able to do that with Gmail. That's a fantastic ad. I actually love the strike through. I use that in docs all the time. So I, I will probably be using that. I love 
smart compose and how they're making Gmail even better, even since I lost my inbox by Gmail, but I'm, I'm making know. do. I'm making it work. Yep. Yep. Okay, y'all, we're going to move on to a new Google Calendar feature. And this is going to affect those of you who have <laughs> administrators who are still hanging on to Microsoft Exchange. So you know who you are. These, mm. these people can now book resources inside Google Calendar. So if your resources like your labs and things that you check out... Those types of things may exist on a Microsoft Exchange server, but they can now be reserved through Google Calendar. And if what I said just threw you off, don't worry. It doesn't apply to you if you if you don't really know what this means. But admins, you're probably going to care about this more than anyone. So you can actually see, you know, that uh, free and busy information. So you can see if those resources or rooms or whatever it is that you're reserving are actually booked. So this can be really handy. And, uh, you know, hey, I always love that Google plays well with others. Yeah, that is. That's that's nice that they that they do that. Pretty important. So the next item we've got comes from the keyword blog, um, and it says around the world and back with Google for Education. And uh, Google for Education is over at the Bet Show, one of the biggest education technology conferences in the world. It's in London, and they're using taking this opportunity to kind of bounce in and out of a variety of different classrooms and schools all around the world through this blog post to kind of give us an idea of how different people are using Google tools. It's always interesting to see what different teachers in different classrooms and different schools are doing and how, how they're using things. So they start off in Japan where, um, where some of the students are using Chromebooks to learn about uh, programming and through programming, they're boosting their collaboration. And so they bounce down to Latin America where um, Google for education has partnered with uh, the government to make computers accessible to students and teachers. So that's, you know, accessibility is a big deal and that's pretty cool that they're, they're able to do that. Um, in Europe, you've got a school that is using Chromebooks to improve engagement. And so they're, they're using Google Docs to review each other's work and do all of that collaboration stuff that we love to talk about on the Google Teacher Tribe as well as in other places. And then we, they bring it back to North America, to Texas. Casey, what? have you heard of Texas? <laughs> no. No. What country is that? I don't know. It's like a, I heard it was a country of its own at one point, wasn't it? That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I know a little Republic. bit of my. That's right. That's right. So, and they talk about how Burleson ISD has um, is trying to have students graduate with 21st century problem solving and reasoning skills, and how they've they've changed some things in the learning spaces, replacing traditional desks with workspaces uh, to encourage collaboration. There's 3D printing. There's all of that other cool stuff that's going on. So, a variety of different things that. Uh, different schools are kind of getting into. So if you want to see some of those other ideas, maybe just spark some ideas of your own, you can go check out that article. Sweet. Yeah. And Burleson ISC is right here in the DFW area. So oh, cool. Um, yeah, no, that's a That's a neat way to kind of give a perspective of the impact that, that Google for Education is having. So I mm -hmm. like seeing it from that that global view and that 
that country you were asking me about sounds really familiar. So <laughs> yeah, I, have but to, it does. I have to do some research. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit and we're going to talk about the new Scratch 3.0. And no, that's not the name of my cat. <laughs> that wah, wah. Is, yeah, that was a really bad <laughs> joke. I don't even have, I don't even like cats. So, uh, but that's how today's episode is apparently going to go. <laughs> We're just going to be making up all kinds of things today. No, right. Scratch 3.0 is the update to the block coding program that many of our students have used in lots of different places, including the CS First program from Google. So this article is actually written by Google CS First program manager. And what they've done is they've worked with the Google Blockly team and they've updated the entire program for students. They've also updated their CS First program, which is for kids in fourth through eighth grade. There are lesson plans, but brand new activities that they have just added to teach these new features. So what's cool is they have launched with a new look, new sprites, which I hope I'm saying that correctly, Mm -hmm. (laughs) backdrops, sounds, and extensions. So if you don't know what a sprite is, it is a digital character that performs actions in a project. And these get really cool. They actually have um, some that you can see in the article itself. But stay tuned. We're going to get back to that one. It now works on tablets. So this is going to be huge for a lot of you out there using tablets and and wanting to use Scratch 3.0. So they've got um, lots of help information in this article, including a video. And they're going to show you exactly how this new version of Scratch is going to expand how and what students can create with code. So they've really kicked things up a notch. They have talked a little bit in the article about their favorite new features and even talking about the new sprites. So what's funny is they say, if you had to choose a sprite to represent yourself, which would you choose and why? And so they've got this kid showing off some dance moves in the the 1080 dance sprite. So um, that was the one that the CS First manager chose. So I think it is super funny to see this and, and entertaining, I should say. But the, the new sprites and backdrops were all designed by artists and illustrators, including some famous scratchers, they call them. But you'll find new fashion sprites, animals, snacks, cars. You can even create a fantasy world with centaurs, griffins, and unicorns. What? I feel like um, I feel like I need to spend some new some time in this new Scratch 3.0. So mm-hmm. educators, you're going to love it because they've created all of these tutorials. So guess what? You don't have to teach all this to your kids. You've got the tutorials there. They can watch the tutorials. You can watch the tutorials and you can learn together. Uh, but it's a great program. And if you've never heard of the CS First program and you teach anywhere between fourth and eighth grade, you definitely want to check this out and join the online community that they have as well to learn more about this. And of course, we've got um, all kinds of things just like this and everything that we've mentioned so far in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 73. As 
as promised, we are going to talk about some app smashing. And no, we're not talking about smashing Google with Google. We're talking about smashing other tools with Google tools, right? And there's so many out there. And Matt and I were just talking about this before recording the episode. And we just feel like there's so many fabulous tools that work well with Google. As I mentioned earlier, I like to say that Google plays well with others. You can't say that about some other platforms. I'm not saying any names, but um, we are going to talk about a few of these and I'm going to kick things off. I'm going to go just classic here and share one of my favorite tools. Probably, I don't even remember when it started, but it, it used to be called uh, Wall Wisher. If any of you remember that, uh, Padlet is still one of my go-to tools. It is one of the easiest to use. It works across devices, across browsers, and it's embeddable. And since you can grab that embed code and put it into other sites, I find it works perfectly for doing some app smashing with Google Sites, right? The new Google Sites is great, but it's still missing some features. And, you know, I think that one of the features that many of us would like to see is the ability to leave comments. And it's just not there. But one of the workarounds that some people are doing is actually embedding a Padlet wall that's open so people can leave feedback in a little um, sticky note. And, and by the way, if you're, you have no idea what Padlet is, you can go to Padlet.com and create a wall. And your wall is sort of like a digital um, bulletin board. It's, you know, you can have a little sticky notes. You can arrange it in various ways. You can even change the background and make it more of like a graphic organizer. You can have it in sort of like a chronological or reverse chronological format. There's, it's really flexible, but it also allows you to add just about anything in your sticky note, text, video, audio, links to other things that kids have created in other places. So Padlet was actually my go-to back in the early iPad days because it was so difficult to try to collect student work in one place. Of course, this was way before Google Classroom, that that was how I could get everything in one place was everybody put their their work inside Padlet. And so I still think it's a very valuable tool I liked, you know, I like the tried and true. I know that I can rely on it. Um, it's they did change their their pricing not that long ago, so it's. I think it's your first. I forget how many Padlet walls you get now. You get a, the first few are are still free, I believe, and you can embed it. You could use it as the um, reflection piece that kids share with their work. So they could post to Padlet as a reflection. They could use it to demonstrate their learning without separately having to add pages into Google Sites. So if you've kind of gotten to a point where it's become too complicated to have every kid editing in the same Google Site, which could really mess some things up, they could post just on Padlet and that could be embedded. You could also um, have it... As, as a place to just demonstrate learning and explain their answers and do some some other things just using Padlet inside sites, which could house many other things and tools for your classroom. Very good. Yeah. And when you said you're going classic, that is that is totally true. Padlet has been around for a long time and I've used it a bunch. And having just checked their website really quick, it looks like um, it looks like we can try it for free for 30 days and then plans start at $12 after that. So 
So anyway, you can use it for, for at least a little bit. So um, very good. So the next one I wanted to talk about is I wanted to talk about how we can smash Wakelet with Google Drawings. So Wakelet is sort of a newer one to the scene. And if you're not familiar with it, here's kind of how it works. Wakelet lets you create these collections. And so a collection can be, you know, little blocks of text or images or links to websites or videos or even social media posts. And so you can pull them all into a collection. I think of it kind of like a bucket. And so you can just collect all of these things into this bucket. Now, whenever you open that collection up, you can see it in a, it's almost like a line, like top to bottom. And so whenever you, whenever you sort those items in your collection, you, you know, it's almost kind of like a story from top to bottom. And so, um, what's neat about, about Wakelet is that you can take all of the best things off of the web and you can put them into this collection and then put them top to bottom and you're, you know, you, you've got a story or you've got a report or you've got a presentation. There's a variety of things you can do with it in the classroom. So that said, now that you can kind of picture how Wakelet works, it works so well with Google Drawings. So Google Drawings, of course, if you've, if you've listened to the show, you're probably familiar with the fact that Google Drawings is kind of like a digital poster board. And so you have this one image and you can throw, you know, images and text and shapes and lines and a variety of different things onto it. So the way that that you can smash these together is you create a custom image on Google Drawings. And so, you know, you pull everything together. It could be, you know, a poster type thing. It could be annotating on a photo or whatever. When you're done, you save that image as a picture file, like a JPEG file. And then you're able to take all of those images and pull them into Wakelet and create a collection out of it. Now, the other thing that's cool, too, is they've just recently announced a collaboration feature where multiple people can share on the same collection. So you can take a Wakelet collection and share it out with all of your students and have everybody insert one custom Google Drawings image on it. And now all of a sudden you've got, you know, potentially dozens of images all together in one collection and everybody's done it together. It's kind of like crowdsourcing. So that's one place where you can you can use, use those two together to create a pretty cool experience in class. I I really am becoming a big fan of Wakelet. So I'm really glad that you shared that. And in fact, Wakelet was really coming to a, a higher point, I think, in front of educators, especially when Padlet changed their pricing, that, mm-hmm. you know, it's become sort of a replacement. So if you, if you kind of liked the Padlet idea that I mentioned, I think you can still make it work with some of the some of the tools that Wakelet offers as well. Oh, yeah. And I wanted yeah. to come back to that and talk about, uh, sorry, I, I totally forgot about the pricing structure as I was talking. But if you already had a Padlet account, you get to keep the walls that you have and reuse them. So I think I, I've been using it for so long, I kind of forgot. So sorry, y'all, but I still love it. I am still a huge fan mm-hmm. of it. And I do think it's one of the few tools that I would say is probably worth paying for. But mm-hmm. I'm going to move on to a free tool that's going to make everybody happy. Who has Ooh. Flipgrid fever, right? Me, me, me. <laughs> it, there are so many educators that have jumped on board with using Flipgrid, which, by the way, is now owned 
by that other company that we don't talk about too often on here. But um, yes, it's owned by Microsoft. So we're going to talk about um, some possibilities for using Flipgrid in conjunction with the things that you're doing in G Suite. And I think I would use the app smashing loosely, but I would use this in terms of the assignment. So with Flipgrid, you're going to be creating these grids that uh, give students a space to share a video response. In fact, I believe you can also just do audio if you don't have webcams. So it's a great place that will allow students to add that extra layer to their other projects, whatever they're creating. If they're creating in slides or sites or docs or wherever they are, that's going to allow them to do some, some additional things and give you some more clarity on their learning, that, that demonstration of learning that we're always looking for. So for me, the natural thing that I think about with Flipgrid is reflection. And, you know, I think so many of us know and understand that reflection is such an important piece of the learning process. So consider the various projects that you do inside of Google, whether you're having students create something in slides, right? We don't ever talk about slides on the Google Teacher Tribe, do we? No. <laughs> no. But for instance, I've shared on here before the student created vision boards right? So if students are creating this this board that represents the goals that they want to accomplish in slides, why not jump into Flipgrid and explain it, right? And you can actually, you know, link back to your grid inside um, some collaborative slide decks that you're sharing with your students or add the link inside Google Classroom. So again, we're not talking a literal app smash. We're talking about that lesson design app smash, if you will. So I'm going to hearken back to last week's episode with the fabulous Lisa Highfill and, you know, thinking about all of the layers and the importance of these pieces. So you know, having students not only do their reflections, but explaining their answers is also one of my favorite ways to use Flipgrid. And mm-hmm. especially yeah. in math, because I think in math, it's not something we naturally think about. Um, you know, math teachers, are, of course, are used to having students write out all the steps to the problem and they grade all the steps. But when students have to have to verbalize it. Uh, it, it, it does sort of ha- take on, I think, a different life. And I've seen this done very, very well. I've seen some great examples of students explaining their answers. And so going through that process, they can have the, you know, whatever they're working on in a digital format on the screen as they're recording in Flipgrid, but they could also print it out and show it on the camera if you wanted to. Um, Mm -hmm. I also like to think about this in terms of reflection on writing or um, English teacher coming out in me, book talks, right? Um, To go along with the book reports, that they may be creating or author studies that they're doing or even explaining the reading responses. I can't tell you how many reading responses I've read in my life and I have no idea what they're talking about. So sometimes we need that extra piece just just to, to talk it out and to explain things. And it's also going to help students become more articulate as well. So you know, if you love Flipgrid, I'm sure you have a million other ideas, but we've also thrown in a special link here um, from Ditch That Textbook with 15 ways to use Flipgrid in your classroom. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's an awesome one. You know, as I was listening to you talk, I even thought of a different app smash you could do with those. And this one is actually a triple app smash. So what you can do is take whatever it is you've created, students have created on slides or sites or docs and do a screencast video with Screencastify. So they put those slides on the screen and they start recording the screen and they talk. And now they've done this screencast video. You can take those screencast videos and upload them as your video response in Flipgrid. So the benefit of that is that students can take those screencast videos they've created, stick them into Flipgrid, and that allows the students to respond back and forth to each other, reply, collaborate, discuss in that digital medium. So yet another way that you can use all of those tools together. Yes. I love app smashing. And we love app smashing with Screencastify. That one comes up a lot. And in fact, I think Mm -hmm. you have something else to share with Screencastify. Yeah, let's go right there. So um, this is one of my favorite app smashes. This is one I've been doing for a while. So forgive me if you've heard me talk about this one, but I do love Screencastify and I also do love Google Maps. I feel like Google Maps Street View is one of those quick, easy things that teachers can use right away. Nobody has to log in and you can drop yourself right down on the street, virtually drop yourself down on the street of almost anywhere around the world. And so why don't we use those two together? So if students plan out a virtual walking tour of sorts, let's say they're going to a city, you know, like, um, for instance, if they were, Casey, if they were going to Dallas, um, where's, I'm totally putting her on the spot here, folks, by the way, where are some places that they might visit if they go to Dallas? Are you just talking students? I'm just saying if a, if a, uh, if a visitor came to Dallas, where are some of the like, you know, popular places to go? Cowboy stadium. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Good call. Yeah. So we could just, yeah. So we'll, we'll use that. So let's say that they go to, um, they go into Google Maps and they use the, um, the little yellow peg man to drop themselves down onto the street view. You see the little yellow peg man in the bottom right hand corner, just drag him onto the screen and it looks like you're right down there on the street. Or I'm guessing, I haven't checked this, but I'm guessing that you can drop yourself inside of Cowboys Stadium and see a variety of different places in there. So if you're recording your screen when that happens, now all of a sudden, whoever's watching the video can see that. And then the students can talk. They can narrate and say, hey, welcome to this virtual walking tour of the Cowboys Stadium. Here's our first stop. We're right down here on the field. This is yada, yada, yada. Throw in some facts that they've learned about it. And then they can jump to a different place and they can jump to a different place. And so these are all... um, you know, things that they can do within the video. They stop recording the video and now they have this neat video that shows what a place actually looks like down on the street with information provided from the students as they narrate. So Screencastify, Google Maps, walking tours. And by the way, I do have, if you're if you're still a little, uh, if this was clear as mud, my description, um, I do have a YouTube video in our show notes uh, that will walk you through the whole process of creating one of those. And by the way, I'm now in Street View in the locker room at Cowboy Stadium. Oh, nice. Yeah, see, there'd be a good place for, for one of these. And I'm assuming you don't have to worry about walking in <laughs> on buddy football players or anything. 
Yes. Very educational. It's very important. <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't even know why I said that. I'm not even a Cowboys fan. I'm probably just, lo- we probably just <laughs> lost half our listeners by my s- saying that. But um, anyway, yeah. okay, here we go. So yeah, I love that. Street View Maps in general is just an amazing tool. I can't get anywhere without it because I'm pretty terrible when it comes to directions, but I love the fact that we can take our kids on these virtual tours so easily. And what a fabulous way to app smash with one of our favorite tools, Screencastify. I'm going to switch gears and talk about a tool that I use pretty much every single day. Cannot live without it. Canva, C-A-N-V-A. And Canva just got a huge update. It's it's pretty cool. I'm still adjusting to, to kind of how it works, but I think they've added some really nice improvements. And if you're not familiar with Canva, it is an image creation tool, but it's more than an image creation tool. It allows you to create all kinds of things, flyers, uh, brochures, Uh, images for all of your projects, whatever it is that you're creating. I create all of my, my blog images in Canva, all of my social media images in Canva, all of the logos that I create, pretty much everything. And I, I, I create a lot of images, but there's so many great ways to use it in the classroom. And I feel like there's there's a lot of people who just don't know the power that's there because they have these pre-made templates. What? Templates, yes, that can save you so much time. They have templates for things like restaurant menus, which guess what? You could turn that into a learning menu for a lesson for your students. And, um, you know, they've got all of these things that are designed to help you make look look like a professional designer without having to know all of the expertise. And you can just use these templates to make some really great things. So you could use it for um, student projects, but you yourself as a teacher could use it for things in your lessons to create headers for Google Classroom, forms, sites. Um, You can make greeting cards. You can do all kinds of of really fun things. So if you've never explored Canva, it's great. Um, Again, C-A-N-V-A. And then you could just download those images and put them into your G Suite projects, whether you're doing that in sites, slides, docs, forms, wherever you are. Uh, And that's a perfect transition, actually, to this last one that we've got, which is Adobe Spark, which also plays very nicely with sites and slides and a variety of different things, because Adobe Spark also has a way to create images. Um, It's one of the, there are three products inside of Spark, and one of them is called Post, Adobe Spark Post. And it does a very similar thing where it lets you pull in images. It's got some pre-designed templates as well. Um, now, what uh, Spark also will do is let you spice up your slides and your sites and all of your other things with some embeddable features too. Like, for instance, you can create single page web pages using Adobe Spark Pages. Um, which does create, again, it's kind of like what Casey was saying. You can create that nice a pre-designed feel like makes you look like a better designer than you actually are. And with Adobe Spark Video, you can create real simple, easy videos using just text and images. It'll put it together into a nice video that you can embed onto a site or that you could show in Google Slides. So those all kind of play very nicely together. So 
So there you have it. We've got some app smash ideas for you, and hopefully you've got some good good ideas from all of that. If you have a favorite app that you like to smash with G Suite products, please do let us know. Head on over to googleteachertribe.com and leave us a message telling us what you do. Or, of course, reach out to us on the GT Tribe hashtag on Twitter. And if you want to catch up on any of the resources that we've shared with you in our show notes, you can find those at googleteachertribe.com slash 73. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what? This is all your mail. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. You've got mail. Let's jump right into the mailbag. Did I just say jump into the mailbag? <laughs> <laughs> that, I just got this mental picture. It's like a potato sack race. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm just like seeing this enormous canvas mailbag, and we just jumped right in. It's like it could be a bit mochi, you know, of us jumping into the mailbag. I can see a a, a tribe meetup where we have mailbag races. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh Lordy! Yeah, what have we started? Nap. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So let's get started on the mailbag, shall we? Um, so we've got a really good tip coming from Mike Muhammad, who you heard in a recent Google Teacher Tribe episode. Uh, he is a teacher from Wisconsin, and he talks about how he can use slides to create a ca- classroom calendar. This is really pretty clever. Listen in. I'm Matt Casey. This is Mike Mohammed from Wisconsin. Just want to pass along one of my favorite ways to use Google Slides in the classroom, and that is for making our classroom calendar. On one side of the slide, we have what we're doing that day. The other side has what we're doing that week. And we change what we're doing every day, so that side changes, but the weekly schedule stays the same. When we're ready to start a new week, we add a new slide, and it just goes in order like that. Now, this is better than a paper handout because we can publish this and embed it within a Google site or specifically we use Canvas or LMS. Now it's even better than that because we can link anything that's in the schedule directly to whether it be somewhere to turn in the assignment, instructions for the assignment, or maybe a digital copy of notes. So that's how we use it in the classroom. If you want to get a little peek, at uh, one of the schedules we made up, you can go to bit.ly slash mo schedule. That's bit.ly slash mo schedule. Thanks a lot, guys. Love the show. So see, whenever I think of a classroom calendar, I'm thinking of Google Calendar. And there are so many restrictions and you just don't have as much possibility. But when you use Google Slides like this, it's such a cool idea. Thanks for sending that in, Mike. Yeah, I love that. Thank you, Mike. I used to do something kind of similar with the agenda and have that rotating as the kids would come in through the day. And, you know, it, as things don't always go as planned in first period, you can always just digitally go fix it instead of when you're having to write it out, which is what we used to do on our old our old calendars. So um, I love the fact that you can do that and, and not have to worry about it. Our next tip here comes to us from Kyle Anderson in Carson City. And Kyle has some pretty intricate ways that he's using Keep and Forms and Calendar in the IEP process, which we all know is just so much fun, right? So take it away, Kyle. Hi, Casey. Hi, Matt. My name is Kyle Anderson. I am a special education teacher in Carson City, Nevada. I want to share with you today how I use Google Keep and Google Forms in the IEP process. So whenever I have a student that has an upcoming IEP, 
I always put together a list of the things that I have to do in Google Keep. So things like the meeting date, when I have to send out the notices for parents for the meeting, and the different steps I got to do in the process of writing it. I can also use the reminder function in Google Keep to set up reminders in Google Calendar to notify me of when I have to take care of the different steps of the whole IEP process. And I also use Google Forms quite a bit in the process as well to gather information for the process. So things like sending out a form to the parent to gather some information from them on their child's upcoming IEP. Parents are a very important part of the process. I also will send out a form to all the teachers to gather information about how the student is doing in their class, accommodations that they may need, et cetera, et cetera. And then I also have a form that I sit down with the student with in order to gather a little bit of information about what they think will help them out best for their upcoming plans. So I hope that special education teachers and tribe will hear and learn some of the things that I've shared with them and how I use Keep Informs. Have a good one, everybody. Okay. It is is anybody else's mind kind of blown right now? So this is this is great. This is this could have been our whole app smashing episode right here, but with with Google, you know, all of these different pieces that work together seamlessly, which is why I think everybody always loves to use Google. But what a great way to streamline that process, save yourself some time and some sanity, right? Yes, absolutely. Kyle, that was a good one. Thank you so much. Okay, Tribe, we have just a couple of blog posts to share with you today. I have one that is on one of the most popular topics around G Suite, Google Classroom. And this one is a collection of Google Classroom tips. Some of these are are from myself, but some of these, most of these, I should say, come from the ShakeUp Learning community. And so everybody was contributing. Everybody was adding. And let me tell you, I learned some really cool tips and tricks. Um, So this is 15 Google Classroom tips for teachers by teachers. And, you know, so if you need that little extra nudge to help you make the most out of Google Classroom, go check it out. Yeah, this is this is a good one. You've got you've got some good stuff to check out here. Um, I have updated a post that has been on my blog for a while. Uh, it started out as 15 free Google Drawings graphic organizers and how you can make your own. And since then, I reached out to some members of the Ditch That Textbook community for examples of other Google Drawings graphic organizers that they've created. And so now the number is up to 25. So now there are 25 graphic organizers that you can go check out. You can copy them into your own drive. You can assign them to your students. And then it talks about how you can make your own. So that resource keeps growing. You can, of course, check that out um, on the link to Ditch That Textbook on our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 73. I don't know about you, but I had a smashing good time with all of these apps. (laughs) Yeah, I know. With all of these app smashes, I went there. <laughs> no, it was it was good. I think we've got lots of lots of practical uh, things that you can use in the classroom. Can't wait to see some of the ones that you share with us. Um, don't be afraid to use that voice message and share some of them, and we will put some of those on the the show as we go forward. So, uh, good stuff. Hopefully, something that you can use in class right away. 
I feel like if you use the word smashing, it's supposed to be followed by darling. Smashing, darling. Smash, darling. <laughs> yeah, you're right. What kind of accent is I don't know. I have no idea. Oh lordy. Okay. I think we I think it's time to to, to end this. Yes. yes it is. That's right. We will see you on the next episode of the Google Teacher Tribe. Bye y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. recording again. Oh, I can see it in the levels. That makes a huge difference. Yes. You're nice and buttery. Buttery. <laughs> like butter on velvet. Just spread that butter over the velvet. That's gross. It's getting, we- it's getting weird. <laughs> yeah. It's getting kind of weird. <laughs> Thinking of like a, like a velvet workout suit and it's just got butter covering on all over it. It's, it's buttery. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I need to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com, and I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.